So a little change of pace today. I'm going to actually stay up here today. It's kind of weird because Alan's sitting right there, right? But uh, I'm going to tell you why. Alan's wife, Ashley, has been in Oregon all week doing ministry, right? And so he's had the boys, but he hasn't just been sitting at home hanging out with the guys. He's been at home getting ready for our next sermon series. We have a really cool sermon series coming up on Micah. We're excited about it. It's going to be a really interesting study that should help us go further in our faith. We're excited about all those things coming up. But um, last week, Alan's job when he was up here was to talk to you about being a disciple who makes disciples, who essentially makes disciples, right? That it's this ongoing chain of making disciples that as we grow in Christ, we help others grow in Christ, which helps us grow in Christ. And it's this cycle. We're going to learn about another cycle today as we talk about my part of it. I get the second part, which is to be the church to the glory of God. That's our desire is that as the church, as people who belong to him, how is it that we go out into the world and we hit what we do by what we do here, make him famous? Okay, so we're going to be in Romans 12. Uh, we're going to be doing one through nine today. I'm going to read it to you and then we'll get into talking. All right, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though we are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy, in proportion to your faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does, uh, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Lord God, we come to you today thanking you for your word. Your word that if we'll allow it to, will transform our way of thinking. It'll help us live a life in the world that is, is purposeful, that has meaning, that gets stuff done for you and for your kingdom, not because you need us to do things, but because you let us do things. Thank you for who you are. Teach us today and grow us today, I pray. Amen. Okay, so as we start here in Romans 12, obviously this is a very common passage. People teach one and two all the time. Um, I don't know about y'all, however, uh, but I think sometimes we don't really do a good job of it. We just kind of teach it in concept as this big, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, da -da -da, renew your mind, all that kind of stuff. But we're going to break it down today because personally, in my personal life, I don't think I always do a good job of taking this, breaking it down, and applying it to my life. I think we fall short, and we're going to break it down in, in just a second We'll get to the rest of the passage after 1 and 2, but 1 and 2 are pivotal for how we look at what it means for us to be a functioning, healthy member of the church so that the church can be healthier and so that we as the church can go out into the world. So let's look at that. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies or compassions or pity or essentially the great mercy of God. Another translation would say in view of God's mercy, but it says to present your bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so Paul writing to the Romans starts with something that we always have to stop at, which is therefore, right? And so when we see therefore, we find out what it's there for. It's the old, old Christian adage, right? If it says therefore, what's it there for? And so if you turn back, we don't have to turn back, but if you were to turn back and look in Romans 11, 
Paul's talking about how God's relationship with the Israelites was what it was. He says, look, these are my people. I chose them. I'm going to do whatever I want to with them. It's really not up to you what I do with them. But you as Gentiles need to recognize you're very, very blessed because you got invited into a family that was not yours. You got invited to come into a house that didn't belong to you. You became adopted as one of God's chosen people. And because of that, in view of God's mercy, we're to do the things that it says in 12. And so we have to remember that when we're looking at this, it should teach us that God looked down, had pity on us, compassion for us, and when we talk to him and when we deal with him, we should have tons of humility. We see what he's done, and we just go, hey, look, man, I'm glad I'm here, right? And so in view of God's mercy, seeing how much he's done for us, we present our bodies as living sacrificing. And now what's interesting to me here is it uses two words that really don't go together well, right? Living and sacrifice. Most of the time when you gave a sacrifice, guess what they did? They died, <laughs> right? Well, guess what? You're supposed to die here too. While those words don't go together, normally Paul explains and writes about it to the Galatians. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he says, look, yeah, I died because Christ died. And now I live because he lives. And the, the life that I live in my body now is through him who gave himself for me. And it's cool to me, too, because in this offering of our body as a living sacrifice, he throws out a couple qualifiers, doesn't he, right? Holy and acceptable. Now, in Christian culture, we do a great job of talking about holy all the time. I don't think we always do a great job of understanding what holy is. We muddy it up some and act like that's holy. But holy means what? Set apart, right? There's the world, the way the world does things. It's set over here, and we're to be holy, which is something totally different over here, right? Correct? It, there should be a distinction and a, a separation between it. Not that we're not in the world, but we're not of the world. We've heard that a bunch, right? But if you think about God, when we talk about God, what do we often say about him? He is holy, holy, holy. So as, as we're set apart, we've got to remember God is way, way, way different. He is nothing like us. But even though he's nothing like us, he calls us to be somewhat like him as best as we know how, the best way we can make it happen. And so as we look to lead our lives that way, I think we get a kind of an image of it. But the thing that I think I have totally gleaned over my entire life when I looked at this passage is unacceptable. Acceptable is a big, big word here. Why? Acceptable to who? Acceptable to God, right? Who gets to decide what's acceptable to him? It's him. It's not you. It's not me. Think about it. One of the very first things that we see in the Bible is the offering that Cain and Abel make, right? They both come to God and they... They make an offering to him, and Abel offers flesh, meat, blood sacrifice. Abel comes, I mean, Cain comes, and he gives some grains or something, which tells you that barbecue is better than a salad. <laughs> it is. You can have the salad on the side, but that's just for the picture that you take, right? <laughs> but, the, okay, God's like, hey, look, that's not what I asked for. That's not what I want. And Cain doesn't get right. He doesn't go, oh, no, what? you know what, I, got, I, I did what I wanted to, not what you wanted. Let me fix that. In fact, God calls him to fix it. He tells him, Cain, what are you angry about? Why is your face downcast? Do what's right. Will you not be what? Accepted. Yes, you blew it. Yes, you gave the wrong thing. Do what's right, and I will receive you. I will let you come to me. I will take your offering and we will be good. No. No. Killed his brother and was separated from God's people. 
because he would not offer what God said. He wanted to offer what he wanted to. Guys, we're going to come back to this a bunch later. It is not up to us. You and I, if we are a living sacrifice, do not get to say to him, here's what I'll do. How dare we? It is not acceptable. And so the, the thing that applies to us today, I think that, that, yes, he's given us freedom. He's given us the ability to say yes and no to things. But when you tell God no about things, just like Cain, you put yourself and people around you in danger. You guys, I, I don't mean that lightly. I don't mean it's going to be dis- discomfortable. Uncomfortable. That's a better word. Yeah, dis- discomfort. Yeah, that's a word. Yeah. I mean it might be painful. I mean it might be tragic. You could lose your life. Somebody around you could. It is a big deal when we tell God no. So I think it's got to be a big deal when he asks us to do something. So the thing that I like, too, is when we look at the passage and it says it's, it's our spiritual act of worship. In view of God's mercy, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, what God wants. Why? Because it's our spiritual act of worship. Another translation, I love this, it says our logical or our rational, our reasonable act of worship. And when we look at what he's done, and we see who he is, and we see that, that we don't deserve his favor, we actually deserve his disfavor because of who we are and what we've done, loving him back only makes sense. It is the only reasonable thing to do. As I reason who I am and who he is in view of the fact that when he should have killed me last night in my sleep, he let me live another day, I should say, God, what do you want? Not out of fear of him, but in a love response to what he's done. Why would he love me? Why would he love you? It says a lot more about him than it does about us. Okay? So, you know, I, I think about it when I look at us, us worshiping in here. And, you know, spiritual is an important part of that too. So don't misunderstand me. I think it's all of those words together. Logical, reasonable, spiritual, sensible, rationed, rational. Uh, we've thought it out. Act of worship. You know, Eric and, and the team, they always do a great job coming up here and, and leading us in worship. We sang some fantastic songs today. But what hit me this week as I was thinking about it is if what we do here on Sundays, singing songs, listening to one of the preachers, going to classes, if we think that is our act of worship, we've blown it. This is, this is, not, this is a part of what it's about. Okay? What we do here on Sunday is supposed to transform the way that we live our lives at home when we go out into the world, when we go into our workplaces, when we go to our schools. If we're, when we come here and sing, it should be an overflow of the worship that we did all week by what we did this week. How we lived our life. We're like, hey God, I get to come sing to you and talk to you about what you did this week. I get to see you move when we come together. And we do not do this nearly enough anymore. We ought to come back together and share our stories with one another. Did God do nothing in anybody's life this week? Did you tell anybody? Tell somebody. Come back together. That's worship too. Let me tell you what God did, y'all. He did this, 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 and this. And then together we both are encouraged and built up. Right? And then we can start looking for him out there. What are you doing, God? Let me look around. I'm getting off the page. But I will get more back to this in a minute because here's the deal, man. When we look at God's mercy, he lets us do these things. We don't have to do them. You don't have to be involved in what he's involved in. If you're never involved in it, that's an issue. Right? If there's never anything that you're doing with God, how come? But you don't have to. He lets you. It's a big, big difference, guys. Okay, so let's talk about this now. 
We talked about this in youth the other night. We had our, our Wednesday night. We, every fifth Wednesday, which is only like three or four times a year, uh, we have a service project. We do some things around the church to clean up, and then we play games and eat food. Uh, this week, we uh, did some cleaning here and there, trying to get some things ready. And then we talked for a little while. We played a, a dodgeball. And it was funny because I separated the guys and the girls at one point. Yeah, it went like you would think. Um, but what was funny is like some of the guys were throwing the ball as hard as they could at the girls. And I kind of went, man, that, that's not how we're supposed to be, guys. You know, I mean, you start considering the situations that you're in. And the world says win at all costs. But that's not what we're supposed to be like when we're with each other, especially, but even with the world right? And then we talked about this passage about being conformed or transformed. And I asked them, I said, what's the difference? What do y'all see as the difference between conformed and transformed? And they did a great job because they, they said, you know, it's the joy of working with youth and kids is they'll preach the sermon for you if you let them. As they were like, well, here's the deal. Conformed is like being taken, pressed into a mold. It's going to make you conform. It's going to push you into little crevices and make you be exactly what it wants. Now think of the times we've gone down to the beach and you have the little bitty little plastic, you know, castle pieces that let the sun cracks to pieces in about a year, right? You've all got pieces of that laying in your yard. But, 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 but you take that sand and you just pack it in there as hard as you can until it does what you want it to do, right? That's what the world does. It wants you to think and act and talk and be like it wants you to be. And I'm not talking about the world itself. The, the, another translation here would say the patterns of this world. What is the patterns of this world? It, the pattern of the world is this, if I give it to you in brief, not God. That's the pattern of this world. And so that what the world, the pattern of this world wants to form you and mold you into is just like them. Just like you would be apart from him. But God instead wants to do something. He wants to transform you. Transform is not the same thing as conform. Transform is take this thing and make it into a whole new thing. That's what God does when you become a believer, right? He takes you from death to life. When you accept the gospel that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, God, you are the only way into heaven. I'm going to accept Jesus' free gift of salvation to pay for my sins. I'm going to turn to you in faith and go, let me follow you. Help me know how to follow you. The Bible says that you're transformed in that moment. You are more like Christ than you've ever been. But it's still an ongoing process. It's a process called sanctification, right? Where I continue to grow and continue to be changed. I continue to be transformed. You know, I, I can't help but think in this, uh, I'm just weird, right? All I can think about is Autobots, transform and roll out. And it turns from a truck into a car. And back in the 80s, whether you know this or not, diesel rigs were cool. We were like, man, look at that thing. It's a robot and a diesel truck. It can haul bananas. But I don't know why. That's what I think about. But if you look at it, it was this thing. Now it's this thing. And that's what Christ wants to do to us. He wants to take us and make us into beautiful butterflies, right? He wants to make us some, we were this and now we're this. But how do we do that? That's the problem, right? I get conformed. I get how conformed works. We beat you down, we shame you, we push, we push, we push. But transformed, how do we do that? Well, the Bible here says it's by, by the renewal of our mind. Why? So that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, the scripture tells us two things here. I think it tells us very specifically. If our minds need to be transformed, our way of thinking is bad. Mine and yours. Not theirs, 
I mean, it's easy to look at the world and what's on the news and what's on TV and what's on uh, movies and stuff and go, ooh, hmm. they think so wrong. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you haven't figured this out yet, I'm learning this. They are not the problem. The problem is here. The problem is the sin inside of me. I'm the one who needs to be transformed. Yes, God needs to change them and grow them and work on them, but ultimately he needs to make the difference in me so that maybe somebody can see the difference and I can point to him, right? The other thing is, if our minds aren't renewed, we will not know what God wants from us, right? It says, then you will be able to know what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, our mind is the battlefield. Our our feelings dictate how we act and react oftentimes, but if we allow the Holy Spirit using God's Word, other believers to transform us and transform our way of thinking, then we'll know. We'll be able to discern. Or I like this one. One of the translations says, or to prove what is God's will. Who are we proving it to? Us. God doesn't need anything proved to Him. He knows. Right? It's going to prove to us that his ways are good and perfect and acceptable. He's going to take that time of changing us and growing us and go, listen, here's what good and perfect and acceptable look like. Oh, I thought it was something else. Right? So I don't, I'm going to tell you this, man. I don't know about y'all. One of the most frustrating things in my Christian life is, God, what do you want me to do? I've got these two or three things laid out in front of me. I'm confused. I'm not sure what you want. There's this and this and this. Can I just tell you for sure? It's me. It's not him. I'm the problem. He's not the problem. Me knowing God's will, if I'm confused about it, it's because of my flesh, my sin, my attitudes, the things that I've been consuming lately that are just getting in the way. When I trust in him, not trusting myself, when I don't tell him what I'm willing to do or not willing to do, he's going to show me what to do. He's going to prove it to me. It's going to be a a way that makes sense. It's going to show it's it's good and perfect and acceptable. But as our minds are renewed, we start to realize that the way that we offered it last time wasn't that good. You ever notice that, that as you grow closer to God, sometimes when you go back and you look, dude, I didn't do that very well. (laughs) Yeah. I thought I was pleasing God, and I thought I was giving this perfect sacrifice. I don't know, man. It was, it was kind of jacked up. So let me give it better to you now that I understand. And it's going to be messy. We're not going to get it right. We're not going to be always good at it. Whether you've been a believer a long time, or you're a baby believer, and you're just now accepted Christ, you're not going to be sure all the time what it looks like to give something that is holy and acceptable to God. But as he teaches you and, and trains you, it's going to get better. But I'll give, you, I'll give you an example that hit me this week. My kids... Over the course, I've got five, if you don't know. Um, And over the course of their lives, they have made me little cards that say things like Happy Father's Day. And, you know, they they have pictures on them. And they they are not good. (laughs) (laughs) They're not good. They are misspelled. Their handwriting is shaky. I don't know what the picture is. I can't tell if that's me or somebody else. I've got a picture up in my office right now that is a truck, I think, that says LHBC on the sale. It's not good. It's not art. But I cherish them. I can tell you right where they are in my house. i got a drawer that they're in. i got one hanging on my wall in my office. It pleases me what they gave me. 
No, it is not perfect. It is messed up. But when you and I think about it, the offerings that we're giving to God with our life, it's like that. We've got to be like little kids, guys. We don't know what we're doing, right? Compared to Him, we're infants. But I believe that when you, in genuine love, in genuine respect, when you go to Him in view of His mercy, and you say, God, here it is. This is all I've got. It's broken. It's messed up. It, man, I don't even want to look at it. But it's yours. Do with it what you will. He will not turn you away. I believe that with all my heart and soul. He's going to go, you know what? I can do something with this. In fact, in fact, in Ephesians, it says that we're his masterpieces. We're his artwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. His desire was like, I know it's broken. I know it's a mess. I got you. You may not be a great artist. He is the artist. He can take whatever is going on in your life and turn it into something that it's not. He is amazing, and we should honor him and glorify him, and it makes sense to give us and to give our lives to him because it's reasonable. So now we get into the sermon. So, dead serious, because here's the deal, guys. That's all set up for what's next, right? He's growing us and changing us and renewing our minds and helping us give our lives back to him better and better and better. Why? There's got to be a reason right? It's not just so that you can be better at what you do. He wants that. But you weren't saved just for you. He didn't call you out of darkness just so that you would have light. He called you out of darkness so that you could give light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Guess what else he said? You are the light of the world. Not because you shine so well, but because him in you. If they can see him in you, the world changes. Because it's what changed us. I'm going to tell you right now. Salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. Okay? Correct? Sanctification is the same way. It's by grace alone through faith alone. But you better work. That salvation, that that, that sanctification comes by you saying yes to him. And he's going to enact that in you anyway if you let him. So make sure that we get this because he is worthy. Paul says this, for the, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. This is, uh, I don't know for y'all, this is hard, right? Introspection is difficult at best. Being able to look at your lives and see what you actually are like, and now when we have the Holy Spirit as a counselor, as a, as a helper, then it's easier because he's the one who's going to show us the truth because he knows us perfectly and accepts us. But I don't know that we really accept us. I think that sometimes when we look at ourselves with, with a clear lens and with sober judgment, what we find isn't really very attractive, right? Our motives aren't as pure as we wish they were. Our, our heart is darker than we would like to admit, our... Our attitudes are much worse than we, we try to show other people, right? We say that we despise liars, but we lie to others and we lie to ourselves. But we're so afraid of being rejected if they knew. If they only knew I was this broken, if they only knew I was this crazy, if they only knew I was this stupid, if they only knew I was this hurt, they wouldn't love me. Maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know what other people do. I've tried, stopped trying to figure out. I can't figure out why I do what I do sometimes, right? But here's what I do know. If we can go to God and trust Him, because He does know. 
Because we just forget it, I think. He knows all of it. The things that you've never told anyone, the one that you keep in your pocket, you're like, no one will ever know this. I'm carrying this in my grave with me. This is so mean. This was so hateful. This was so rude. It is not coming out ever. It's out. He sees it. He knows about it. And he still offered you salvation. And he still loved you. And he still accepted you if you turned him in faith. That is different than we do it, guys. I don't have to pump myself up and lie about myself. I don't have to make myself more than I am. I can go, God, I am good at this, and I am bad at this, and ooh, I wish that wasn't there. Help me. Because he goes, yeah, I know that. And one of the things I forget in view of God's mercy, when I think about how he's forgiven me and accepted me, even though he knew about all the sin I've done in the past, I forget he also knew about all the sin I was going to do in the future. He also knew all the sin that you would have done had you not accepted him. And I don't know what that would be like in my life, but it would not be good. It would be a bad, bad thing. And so when I think about all these things in view of his mercy, all of these things make sense for me to be able to just say yes to him. And and when I ask God, how can I do this? How can I get rid of this inflated self-image? How can I get rid of the lies about who I am and just judge myself soberly the way that you see me without feeling condemnation? What says right here, it says, each according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned them. How much do you trust God? You know who you are apart from him. Do you believe he loves you? Fully? Because if you do, you don't have to strive to be something you're not. You can come to him and go, I'm broken. I'm gonna, <laughs> I was telling Jacob this week, anybody that's around me knew it. I was in a bad mood for about two or three days this week. Sometimes I get real melancholy, and I just get like, Ugh, the world stinks, man. Just, hey, let me just tell you something. Sometimes the world does stink, Okay? And I would call Jacob, and I'd talk to Michelle about it, and, and Jacob would be like, man, you still in a bad mood? He'd say, yeah, man, I'm in a terrible mood right now. I don't know what the deal is, man. It didn't get to dictate who I was, though. Because even though I was in a bad mood, I'm like, God, you have work for me. You have something for me, and you're worth it. My, my little pity party, my attitude, my whatever it is doesn't matter compared to knowing you. Your mercy is enough for me. Your grace is enough for me. And so, God, I get to do with you. I don't have to do. I get to. It's so good, guys, because I didn't have to get a better attitude first to go to him. I didn't have to somehow pull myself up by my bootstraps and, okay, now, God, I'm happy to be with you. It doesn't work that way. None of us are going to find him if we're waiting to fix ourselves and then go seek him, right? And so by the measure of faith, God loves you. He accepts you. He knows all the junk in your life. Trust him. You don't have to make some other image. And when we find that out, when we go, God, if this is who I am and that's who you are, whatever you ask for me, yes. The distance between us, between my holy and your holy, holy, holy is so great. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to say yes to you. When things come in front of me, I'm not going to say, can I do that? I'm going to say, God, am I not supposed to do that? Because if it's with you, I want to do it. Tell me no. But then it says this. It says, for we, as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to grace given to us. That means they all come from God. Let us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, and the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Paul makes an implication here, that, by the way, that we belong to one another. Guys, this is why our spiritual growth is so important. If Alan doesn't grow, I don't grow. I'll grow some. I mean, it's not totally dependent upon Alan. 
But Alan and I, as believers, are in a relationship together, and God wants to use us for the kingdom. And if he's not growing or I'm not growing, I'm holding him down or he's holding me down. But if you think that just applies to the pastors or the elders or the staff of this church, you're mistaken. Your growth is dependent upon us. Our growth is dependent upon you. We will never, ever accomplish all that God could have for us if we would just choose, God, I'm going to, in view of your mercy, give you my life, and I'm going to do whatever you say. We would do something different in this place. I'm pleased to death with where God's taking living hope. Don't misunderstand me. We have no idea where he would take us. We have no idea all the things that he would do if we would let him. You remember when, when Jesus came to Jerusalem and it says that he can only heal a few people because of their lack of faith? We need to have faith. We need to trust God that he wants to do something here. And if not, why are we meeting? I don't get it. I, I want our youth group, I want our children's group, I want y'all to transform the world and change it for the glory of God. That's what we're supposed to be about, right? To know him, make him known. Be disciples who make disciples who make disciples to the glory of God, to be the church to the glory of God. That's the whole calling. And so how do we do that? Why do we do that? Guys, it's right here. God brings this beautiful group of people together. And collectively, you're beautiful. Yeah. Collectively, you are beautiful, though. And I mean that. We're this beautiful, like, decoupage of, of broken pottery that comes together and paints a beautiful picture. We come together and we're something more together than we are individually. Still individuals. Still, still different, distinct. But he brings you and me here with different gifts and talents that he desires to use to build up this body and the community. His desire is for us to come in here and do the things that we do, like hope groups and D groups and Bible studies and, and equipping classes and 605 and all the stuff we do and come in here and worship. All of it is designed to grow us closer to him so that when we go out there, we reflect him better. Right? And so when we look at those things, we've got to figure out, God, what do you want? He gives these specific examples here of, of giving and prophecy. I think there's seven that he gives right here. But in, by no means is this an exhaustive list. You don't need to look at this and go, okay, God, where do I fit in those? That's not what he's trying to say there. He's given a few examples going, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? There's countless that he left unsaid. Countless. And so when, when you read these things, man, I wonder, I wonder, do we think, God, what do you want me to do? We just read that we ought to not think of ourselves too highly. We ought to have sober judgment. And we ought to be looking at our gifts and going, God, I have these gifts. I have these talents. Even if it's a backbend, how am I going to use that for your kingdom? Right? If this is all I have, if this is all that I can do, God, how can I use it? Use me. Right? <clears throat> so I'm going to give you a couple things here that, that, that might, I don't know, I'm not trying to offend anybody. Maybe it'll offend anybody, some people. I don't know. That's okay if it does. When, when we tell you that we need preschool workers and you go, not it. You get to do that? I don't have any kids back there. I don't have to serve back there. Amen. You don't have to serve back there. You don't have to do anything God wants you to do. Right? You can tell him no. How dare we not even ask the question? Why are we not even asking? Why are we not saying, God, look, this opportunity came in front of me. What do you want? You made it a known to me. It's clearly a need. Is this me? And maybe it's not. I don't have a problem if God tells you don't serve in preschool. I got a problem if you don't even ask him, should you serve in preschool? I got a problem if you don't even ask him, what do you want? Why not me? 
right? Guys, I'm not trying to be your Holy Spirit at all. I, I, I'm not telling you everybody here needs to get up, jump up, go put on the connection card, sign on the back of it, that you're going to start working in preschool. Some of you need to. Some of you need to ask the question, and you need to put your name on a piece of paper, and you start doing what God told you to do or is telling you to do. Preschool's not the only place. There's other places here that need service. Worship needs people. Children's needs people. There's nowhere here that we can't fit you in, okay? There's somewhere for you. You have got to start saying yes to God. And, you know, for the longest, man, I really would ask, of like, God, what do you want? And I think Alan said it really well earlier. I think I need to stop asking sometimes when a, a mission trip or something comes up, God, do you want me to do that? But God, is there a reason for me to say no to that? Right? Because if there is, he'll tell you. If you're renewing your mind, you'll be free from the pressure of, oh, I better sign up for that because they're going to think I'm a bad Christian. It doesn't matter if you think you're a bad Christian. I don't even know what a good Christian or a bad Christian is. I know somebody that follows Christ who messes up all the time. I know one guy that does that. Right? No, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> I would never say it was you. No, but yeah, amen, it's me. And so, of course, of course, I don't know what God's telling you to do and not to do. But you ask him. If you're renewing your mind and you're trying to figure out, God, I don't need anybody else's opinion about this. I need your opinion about this. Least of all, I need mine. I need yours. And so when we do that, we end up filling in where he wants us to fill in. But remember from Cain, we don't get to decide what we're supposed to offer. We've got to ask him, what do you want? What do you want me not to do? Is there a reason for you to say no? So we talked about children's and preschool and other places like that. There's all kinds of places here. Another one I would tell you too, um, hope group. If you're, not a, if you're a member of this body and you're not in a hope group, why? Now, to be clear, there may be a reason. I'm not asking you to tell me. I don't need your reason. It's not between me and you. It's between you and God. And, and I can tell you this with absolute lack of judgment because there was a season when I was not in a hope group. I was coaching football and I was gone every time that we had a hope group. And so I was out of hope groups for a little while because what I was doing was ministry to young men. But there was a reason that I was saying not right now. And I went to God and checked with him. I also went to, to Alan and checked with him. Hey, is this okay right now? And he goes, and, and I love it because he, he held me accountable. He goes, yeah, for a while, right? You can do it for a little bit, but there needs to be at some point where we find you a place to be or you host one on a different day or something because hope group is vital to who we are and as we grow, right? It's a great place for us to invite people into the church where they don't have to walk in these doors. And, and if you don't know this, We've been in church so long, maybe you've forgotten. Walking in those doors is intimidating. Okay? What, what the world teaches that we do to people is judge them and throw them out and treat them like junk. And praise God, I don't believe that's what happens here. But they don't know that. Hope group's easy. Hey, come to my goober friend's house and have a meal with us. I go to Jacob Justice's hope group if you wonder who I'm talking about. He's a goober. <laughs> yes. But, 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 man, Hope Group is a great one to be a part of. Uh, there's a lot of other areas, guys. We're not telling you. Again, I'm not trying to tell you. Here's everything that we have, and here's everything that you ought to do, and check the boxes so that you'll be a good Christian. I'm saying, ask God. When they come up, ask God. Right? He's the one who knows. He's the one who sent his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your counselor. You know what he wants to do? Counsel you. Right? He wants to tell you, yes, no, maybe. Not right now. But then say yes to whatever he tells you. And so here's some other opportunities. Here's some other ones that you can ask God. Hey, is there a reason for me to say no? Right now we have a team that's in Oregon, right? Okay, you can't go be a part of that right now, right? So you can't say yes or no to that. You can just say, what can I do? What can you do? Pray. Pray. 
Pray for them right now. They've had some sicknesses. They've had some, some struggles and stuff like that. Pray for them. You're not there on the ground. Pray for those that are. Guys, I, I wonder if we just wait for them to come home and then hear some kind of story instead of going, God, what is my active role in this? Your church is doing something. How am I to be involved? Pray. Okay? That's an easy one. We just announced, talked again about the Guatemalan trip that's coming up. We're really excited about that. It's something that, that Alan and his family have done for a long time from before they came here, but now we've joined with them in it. You need to ask God, is there a reason for me not to go? Guys, I do this every mission trip. I was like praying last year, God, do you want me to go to this? It was right between VBS and right between Mission Arlington, which are two huge events for youth and kids. Youth and kids. So, okay, huge. But I was like, God, if you want me to go, I'll go. I don't know how you're going to make it happen. I do not know how that's going to work. It sounds terrible to me, God, but if you tell me to go, I want to go. Praise God, he told me, no, you don't have to go, and he sent two other guys. (laughs) But I know this, my attitude was right. I know me saying, I'll go if you want me to, and you'll work out the hours that need to be taken care of. You'll work out the lessons for VBS. You'll work out the, the, the logistics for Mission Arlington. You'll take care of it. So I'm going to trust you. And that's not because I'm good, guys. Look, I've blown it more than I've gotten it right. I'm just telling you, I've learned, it from, I've learned from when I've blown it. Okay? So here's some other ones. Let's talk about those. Oh, in April, we've got disaster relief training coming up. We're going to be sending the team to Temple. There's a group of uh, Baptist men who they go out during disasters and they are granted access right in. Everybody knows who they are. You get credentials. You can go in and do things like food prep. You can go help tear down walls from flooding and build up stuff. And there's all kinds of things that you can do to go help people. There's a chainsaw class at this one. <laughs> kind of excited about that one. But, but at any rate, it's a good opportunity to go out there and be a part of helping people. What? Did I not say women? No, you said Baptist men, so I want them. Oh, yeah, no, 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 very good, very good. Thank you for that call for because I do want to make sure this. It's put on by Texas Baptist men. It is for us. Right, okay. They don't expect it to be just a bunch of dudes, hey, we're coming to save the day. No, it's not at all. We expect to hey, we're coming to save the day too. Sorry, <laughs> you got off. Okay, let me get back over here. Okay, here we go. No, 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 that was my fault. But, but, but you know, here's, because here's the deal, guys. It is fantastic to pray for people during natural disasters. It is also, I think, better to pray and put feet on the ground. That, that's helpful, not just go by yourself. Sorry, that's a fire department qualifier. That's an old throwback. <laughs> we don't want people just showing up. Show up helpfully. Training is a big part of that. There, we're also going to be taking uh, just a couple things in brief. Oh, by the way, on the Guatemalan trip, don't, don't forget this. There's a meeting right after this at 205. Okay, in 205, not at 205. In room 205 upstairs. You need to be asking, God, is there for reason me not to go to that meeting? And then you'll get more information there, and you go, okay, now, God, is there a reason for me not to go? Now, hold on, I'm just going to take a side here. You may listen to all the info that he has and the dates it is, and you go, oh, that'll never work. Mm, maybe. Don't figure it out on your own. You have a counselor. Go to God and go, God, this doesn't seem like this works. I've got this, this, this. My son's getting married. I'm not going. Right? That one I can't change. Right? But I can move things around sometimes to do what God wants me to do. Ask him. Go find out what, God, what do you want, God. You're doing something here. Can I be a part of it? Okay? So don't forget that meeting. Um, but there's also, we're, we're going to take a small team to Nicaragua in April as well to, to see if there's a, something bigger that we can do there as a body. We're looking at, in talks right now with a guy from the, the Czech Republic, somebody that we've partnered with before to see if there's something we can do there. We're, there's a lot of things coming up. But, but all those things seem real big and way over there, right? 
We have things locally here like the BSM and Hope Pregnancy, wonderful uh, ministries that we work with and partner with. You can join in those. Uh, as, as you offer your life and begin to listen to God more clearly, he's going to show you areas. It's like, man, we're ministering to these people over here. You can come be a part. You have talents and gifts that God's given you that are useful for that. But not only that, listen, if we're not careful, we start just like prioritizing other ministries and maybe God wants to use you in your family, with your coworkers. And by maybe he does, I mean he does. The people around you, the people at the grocery store. Anywhere that you are, he wants to use you. So you open your eyes to the daily renewal of your mind. You start to see things that become opportunities. And then maybe, this might be scary to some of you, maybe he shows you an area in the community where there are needs that aren't being met. And he goes, you. I want to use you to meet that need. Dude, praise God. Don't be scared of that. Say yes to him in it. Say yes to him, and then when you realize that it may be bigger than you can handle, maybe you go to your hope group and go, hey, you want to be a part of this? I have an opportunity here. And if it grows beyond that, maybe you come back to us. You talk to the elders, and we go, hey, we're going to pray about that, and we're going to ask the same question that you ask. God, can we be a part of that? Is there some reason we should say no to, to helping them in this? Because we're all trying to learn and grow at the same pace and at the same time of here, God, you are God. In view of your mercy, I'm giving you my body as a living sacrifice. You tell me what to do. Help me know what you want me to do because I want to give an offering that's acceptable. So as, as we pray those things, as we see what God's doing, Paul goes on into the last passage of the chapter in, in verse 9. I'm stopping 9. Y'all should read the rest of it because it's a very, very good portion that talks a lot about about how to live with each other, how to take care of one another, how to not be hateful, how not to repay people for evil. <laughs> so that's a big one. But in verse 9, he, we're going to end with this. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. We talked about a lot of things today about renewing our minds and all those things. We talked about places that we can plug in and serve. In Corinthians, Paul says that if we don't have love, we're just a sounding bell. We're just making a lot of noise. It doesn't matter how smart we are about God. It matters how much we love him and love others. And when we truly allow him to transform us, we're going to love him better. We're going to love other people better. And then we'll be able to say no to evil and yes to good. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I know we do. But I wonder in the same way how poorly we love you how we really don't get how much you love us, all that you've done for us. You give us this opportunity to be a part of a family that we did not belong to, that we have no right to claim as an heir. But through Jesus Christ, you've made a way that we can come to you and be accepted. So teach us to give offerings that are acceptable and holy to you. Transform our minds. Thank you that you love us and you've been good to us. But God, we want more than Sunday morning Christianity. I pray that we would want more than just the routine American Christianity. God, we want authentic people that are sold out for you, who love you and follow you regardless of the cost of themselves. Help us be that way. In Jesus' name, amen.